This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 348, recorded Thursday, November 16th, 2017. It sure is. We're halfway through November. It's almost December and then it'll be Christmas. Uh, and we're halfway through the first half of season eight of The Walking Dead. Tis the season for Santa's arrival. It really is. Really, uh, mid-November is when uh, Santa starts showing up in malls and uh, various locations where there are Santa. And parades. Santa Claus parades. Santa parade is a week from Saturday in Pickering. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll bet you the Toronto one is... Uh, this weekend or next weekend, probably very soon. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I was at my aunt's place in Brampton last week and they had their Santa Claus parade. Nice. Well, maybe coming up this weekend. So it's yeah. right down the street that we can walk there. So it's, uh, it's super awesome. We're right near the marshalling ground for the uh, Santa Claus parade. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Are there live animals in the Pickering one? Uh, humans. <laughs> I guess that counts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. I don't recall in horses. There's probably a horse or two, but at, uh, what do you mean like live animals, like pigs and no, I sheep was, and mo- like cows and stuff? Mostly met horses, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm sure there's a horse. So what, what kind of parade doesn't have a band shortly behind, like right behind a set of horses pooping on the ground and then all the band has to walk through it? I you mean, know how many times I've stepped in horse shit while I was in parades? <laughs> many, many times. Put the bands in front of the horses, It's martial you know, it's, people. It's part of the experience, I think. Yeah. You have to walk through the horse crap. Yeah, well, you kind of, you you know, you're supposed to stay in formation, but, you know, once there's horse poop on the ground, you kind of meander around it. Right, formation. But invariably, you'll end up walking at it. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. I've never been in a parade, so I don't really know oh, what that's I've like. I've been in hundreds. I've been in more parades than I've seen. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't work for me. And I have, I then, I haven't even seen that many parades, I don't think. I mean, I can't think of the last parade I saw. The Santa Claus parade, you just said. Yeah, but I, I haven't, no, I haven't been to one in a long time. I, oh, okay. I was, I saw signs for it last week. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> good, good enough. Anyways, listen, uh, <laughs> let's move on. If you want to do a podcast about Santa Claus Parade someday, uh, I think we may be onto something there. Yeah. Uh, but we are here to do our listener feedback for The Walking Dead Season 8, Episode 4. First, though, I want to remind everyone about our Record Your Favorite Scene Contest for season eight. And what this is, in case you haven't been paying attention, which is fine. I don't pay attention most of the time. Uh, But what what it is, you choose a scene from any season of The Walking Dead, you record it with your friends or your family or both, and then you send it in to us. And at the end of the year, Jason and I choose our favorite and you win a big fancy prize pack full of all kinds of good stuff, which reminds me, uh, Mm. I found a way to sign up for that uh, Walking Dead loot crate um walking dead's twdsupplydrop.com i think is the url did you lie uh no not really i'm using a mail like forwarding service so it's going to be shipped to a warehouse in the states and then they will they will send it to me nice so my point is though uh depending on what's in there i will probably reallocate some of that stuff into the prize container for the record your favorite scene contest Nice. So every time I get one, we'll go through, we'll take a look and decide what I want and what I don't want. <laughs> and then everything that I want, I'm going to give to you guys. 
So this service, uh, is it legal? I don't see why not. Why wouldn't it be? Do they? Well, I don't know, because you can mail stuff in the United States that you can't mail internationally, like knives and stuff. Well, they're not, yeah, I can't, it's not like I can order a, a weapon or a, or booze or something. They. I'm pretty sure they won't ship that across the border to me, because that's just not allowed to be done right. uh, into Canada. But this is just, you know action figures and shirts pieces and of plastic and paper right really yeah exactly that i'm paying a lot of money for so uh we we will see but the point is i'm gonna you know put some of that stuff in the prize box anyways one of our listeners lee in england he wrote in to ask if that if i could play last year's winning entry oh good idea and that is something i typically do but for some reason didn't this time uh but it is a good idea so i'm gonna play part of the winning entry from last time and uh, from last season. And this comes, because it's long, so I'm only going to play part of it. We don't want to be here right. all night. But this comes from Glenn in sunny England. And here you go. <laughs> Bet you thought you were all going to grow old together. Sitting around the table at Sunday dinner and the happily ever after. <laughs> no, doesn't work like that, Bats. Not anymore. Think about what happened. Hmm. Simply cannot decide. Hey, I got an idea. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Catch a tiger by his toe. If he hollers, let him go. My mother told me to pick the very best one. And you are it. <laughs> anybody moves, anybody says anything, cut the boy's other eye out and feed it to his father. And then we'll start. All right. So that was Glenn in sunny England performing Negan's monologue as the Joker. Fuck me, that was awesome. Wasn't it amazing? So, it was great. So good. So that's a super unique take on it. And, uh, you know, you don't have to do that. You just have to to record the scene and you can do it any way you want. We're not worried about recording quality. I mean, as long as we can make it out, uh, we just want something fun, exciting, interesting. Uh, but but also, like, true to the source would be would be amazing too. You know, if someone out there can do an amazing Rick impression, why not? Like, that would be fun, too. So um, that's that's the idea. And thanks, Glenn, for that. And thanks to the other people who have sent in entries already. We'll be playing more on the podcast as we move through the season. Cool, cool, cool. I love this contest. I, I know. It's great. I know. Me so too. much fun. Me too. I hope people continue to enjoy it. It's It's really awesome. People are the best. They sure are. They sure are. They're also the worst, though. That's the problem. Oh, I hate them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's just get updated on the ratings for the show before we get into the actual feedback. Um, so, episode four, Jason was the first time the ratings went up this season. Oh. Not by very much. See, episode, wow. episode three had 8.552 million. Episode four had 8.69 million. Oh, well, that's okay. It's going up. That's a good trend. Well, yeah. It's, well, it's not a trend. It's only a data point, but you know what I mean. It, you know, it's better than nothing. It's better than going down again, but really, I think you would say this is holding steady. They were at 8.92, 8.52, and now 8.69, so they're within a pretty narrow range. 
oh my God, if only my life could hold steady, everything would be good. Just, you know, maintain equilibrium for a little while. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. Just keep your life within a narrow range. Yeah. You remember a uh, friend of the show, Dave? You remember Dave? I remember right? Dave. Yeah. One of Dave's phrases was normal gets worse as time goes on. And I just, I remember that. And I've got it written down somewhere that I can uh, put it on a wall just so it can remind me that uh, what you consider normal gets worse as time goes on. So, so are you trying to say that you should always strive for more? No, you should strive for uh, maintaining equal, maintaining a steady state because everything is basically entropy and just everything gets worse as you move through life, essentially. But that's what I'm saying. Uh, if you, if you're, if you maintain your normal, it's going to get worse. You don't want that. You want your normal. No, you to get maintain better. equilibrium where normal goes, you know, yeah, you just, <laughs> just trying to maintain. I think, I think it's a confusing statement, but I like it. It is. Yeah. I'm going to get it on a t-shirt. Yeah, you should. All right. Uh, anyways, ratings are holding steady. We'll continue to track them as the season goes on. Uh, I got to think they'll probably remain about this level until the mid-season finale when there'll be a little jump, and then we'll see what happens in the second half. Yeah. All right. It's listener feedback time. Here we go. Cool, 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 cool. cool. Listener feedback. Okay. First one here is a phone call from Jay, and it's just some information, quick update on something we... Uh, you, I think, talked about on uh, er, the podcast earlier this week. Okay, but the call's not from me. It's not from you. It's in response to you. From oh, okay, good. Jay. All right. It's confusing. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Hi, this is Jay calling from Jerusalem. Um, quick answer about Ezekiel's gloves. Um, those are like motorcycle or motocross gloves. Um, I have them both for my mountain bike and for my, my uh, motorcycle. Um, fairly standard, and it just helps you if you smash them into something when you fall off. There you go. Good for punching too, I guess. Well, yeah, they're probably good for punching. Um, anything with a ex- little extra padding there. Yeah. I mean, I, the padding would, would, uh, I mean, it would prevent you from hurting yourself too much and maybe soften the blow a little bit unless it's very hard padding, but yeah. still good for punching. Okay, good. And I should get some for my mountain bike and then, uh, use it. Actually ride your mountain bike. <laughs> oh my God. It's <laughs> yeah. Tune it up. Dust it off and ride it. That's a good idea. You should I take it out. I love mountain biking. Take it out this winter. Yeah. Do a little winter riding, Jason. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, my brother does that all year round. He's got chains on his bike. Oh, I don't understand. Winter crazy. cycling, it's nuts. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right. Next, we have an email from uh, Ewan in Manila, Philippines. Irwin. Oh, Irwin. Sorry. I've missed the R. This is going to be a very interesting night. My brain is not working correctly. So Irwin writes... Uh, sorry about that, Erwin. Uh, holy crap, what a crappy episode with crappy direction and crappy writing. It was a flashback to, to an 80s B-grade made-for-TV action movie. The magic guns kept on firing sparkly bullets. The showrunners, showrunners have stopped caring, fire everybody, and bring back Frank Darabont. I don't think the episode was nearly that bad, but I'm not opposed to the idea of firing everyone and bringing back Frank Darabont. No, I'm not opposed to it either. I'm not. Frank holds a grudge? Yes. (laughs) uh, Well, you think he would drop his lawsuit if they hired him back for a shitload of money and, uh, you know, a promise of financial transparency so that he could make sure that he was going to make a shitload of money? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure AMC has enough money to bring Frank Darabont back. I mean, there probably is a number out there that would 
solve all of their problems, make the lawsuit go away and rehire the guy. But it's probably a pretty big number. And, and I don't think AMC has any interest in doing that. So if they can't bring I've, Frank Darabont back, maybe at least some new blood, just a new perspective on the thing, maybe is what they need. I don't know. Carl, Carlton Cuse? Yeah, I think you mentioned him before, right? I have, yeah. There's probably other people out there that could do just as good a job. I don't know. What about the guy who did uh, Sons of Anarchy? That was pretty good. No, isn't that isn't that Dave Erickson doing Fear? I thought he did Sons too. <laughs> uh, Dave, no, I don't think so. It was somebody else. The showrunner was somebody else. I forget oh. his name. Okay, I could be mistaken, but Dave Erickson has moved on from Fear now too. So, uh, well, now I gotta. Now you got anyway, I, I'm like I'm doing something else now. I can't just look on the internet for stuff. All right. Well, that's okay. You're gonna you're <laughs> okay, gonna so bring back Frank Darabont. I think it's doable. I think that everybody has a number, and I think that uh, you know even if Frank Darabont doesn't hold a grudge, AMC does. Oh, for sure. I'm yeah. pretty sure they wouldn't hire him back. Absolutely. Uh, but anyways, I do think there is, we, we don't need to sh- a showrunner change. I just like mix up the writer's room a little bit, get some fresh ideas. And, yeah. and I'm not saying the guys in there currently couldn't do that. I mean, maybe they just need to uh, a bit of a kick in the ass, right? If they've all been around for a long time, it could be time that they need to start offering some steak knives as a bonus. Something like that, you know, yeah. come up with a good storyline, you get a new car, come up with a good story, like B-level storyline, you get some steak knives. Everybody yeah. else is fired. That's right. Third prize is you're fired. Right. That was a good movie. It was. Uh, all I'm saying is maybe try something a little different and, and just pay attention to what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe not, uh, not so much a, uh, you know, you're all fired kind of thing, but maybe support them saying, I believe in you guys. I think you're doing a great job. Uh, but I think we all can do better. Uh, and, uh, you know, no magic guns as for a team, crying out loud. as a collective, we can all do better as, as any collective can do better. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that should be, uh, they should, they should put that on a t-shirt. We can do Man, better. So many t-shirts. I know so many. Uh, All right, we have a call now here from Sam. Chris and Jason, this is Sam from Decatur, Georgia. Just a little feedback about, like, the high points and low points of the episode. Um, The high point for me was definitely when we see all those guys line up perfectly while carrying those guns through that tight hallway. And as soon as I see them stacking up all in one neat line like that, I seriously thought we were going to get the one bullet, five kills type shit going on. Um, (laughs) What Carol ended up doing was equally badass, uh, you know, taking all five of them out with multiple shots while hiding in the ceiling. Um, so pretty much the rest of it was just like me rolling my eyes and like, oh, my God, what are they doing? Uh, at least there was one funny part. The only thing missing from that car chase scene was the A-Team theme song playing in the background. Oh, yeah. Um, and honestly... Jason, you're exactly right. The mere idea of a motorcycle and a Jeep freaking Wrangler taking on a Humvee that's carrying a Ma Deuce 50 cal in the back, it's just preposterous. And I, I really do think that I saw like bullets bouncing off of the windshield and or the <laughs> you know headlights. Uh, when Jason's right, They're, those are going to go right through the engine block into Rick. And the best part was when 
Rick comes, you know, right up to the camera and then swerves out of the way. And you see Daryl holding like a nine millimeter pistol. And that's what ends up, you know, settling the score. Uh, just absolutely ridiculous. Um, actually, I think I might, you know, sign off right now and go uh, play that on mute with the 18 theme song in the background. All right, guys, love the podcast. Thanks. There you go. Thank you, Sam, for that. Now, I, I will admit, Jason, I, I can't tell 100% uh, what Sam's intentions with that call are. I, I do believe that he was not... Uh, he was not impressed at all with the car chase, but I'm yeah. not sure if his comments about really enjoying the Carol part at the beginning are genuine or not. Well, the reason I laughed at the beginning there, because, uh, you know, one shot killing, you know, lined up, lining up people, killing a number of, uh, of bad guys just made me think of the phrase, uh, the walking Deadpool. And huh. because that's happened in, at the beginning of Deadpool and that was awesome in Deadpool, but, it's not awesome. It wouldn't be awesome in The Walking Dead. No, it wouldn't. See, if if he genuinely did really enjoy that part, then I'm kind of opposite of uh, Sam here because I didn't love the Carol part so much. I thought it was kind of ridiculous. Uh, but I did really enjoy the car chase despite its ridiculousness. So I don't know what the, the range is for a, uh, a nine millimeter handgun, but it Looked like the uh, the effective range of what Daryl was shooting at was a couple of hundred yards from a motorcycle that was, uh, well, if he was shooting, I guess his hand mustn't have been on the throttle. So anyway, uh, unless he was shooting left-handed and he was shooting at another moving, uh, at another moving vehicle. So uh, his aim was ridiculously, magically crazy. Well, I mean, he didn't have his hand on the throttle. I didn't catch that before. That's weird. Well, I mean, is he right-handed or left-handed? So if our throttles always on the right hand on a motorcycle, I believe they are probably. Yeah. I, I'm sure that's standardized. I mean, every so. time I make motorcycle noises, I use my right hand to <laughs> make this <laughs> sound. Do, do air motorcycle. <laughs> do air motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. I always use my right hand. I never use my left. So I assume that all the motorcycles have their vroom vroom on the right, the right side. Sure. But you are right-handed. Uh, we'd have I am right-handed. That's true. As am I. So we'd have to ask a, a lefty. Well, it, that makes me it makes me wonder in uh, in countries where people drive on the uh, the left-hand side of the road, is the gas pedal on the left? I think it's on the right still, right? It is. You're on the other side of the car, but you are still using your right foot on the gas pedal on the right side, right? But you're changing gears with your left hand, though, right? Correct. Okay, that's all backwards. It, it's, when you say where they drive on the left side of the road. What you mean is where they drive on the incorrect side of the road. Well, I don't necessarily mean that. Yes, you do. Everyone knows it's the wrong side. <laughs> no, I mean, I've, well, I've never, never driven, but, uh, you know, the last couple of times I was in Singapore after like, uh, four hours, it all just seemed normal to me. Well, you didn't get behind the wheel. No, and I wouldn't because that's crazy. See? <laughs> First of all, the last time I was there, I didn't have a driver's license. I was not capable of driving right. on the right-hand side of the road either. Okay. Now I have my driver's license. I might be able to, I might risk it. Oh, I would do it. I would do it. In the it. parking lot? <laughs> uh, so, no, you do it. You just, someone once told me that the hardest thing is just the first step, right? Like pulling out of the parking lot onto and real And not roads. killing yourself or and, other people. And not killing yourself or other people. But yeah. Your brain is a pretty smart thing. You, you'd, it would figure it out. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and, and this person told me that you, if, if you can follow someone out of the parking lot, you just follow what they're doing and then you're on the road and then you yeah. got, you either got to do it or, or, do, or you don't. And so right. just follow that guy. He knows where he's going. He knows where he's going. That's right. Exactly. Uh, unless it's a rental car lot and then you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> then you're all going to die. All right. So anyways. All right. So, uh, car chase ridiculous. Uh, Carol doing Deadpool stuff. For I'm me, okay with that too. For me, Carol, kind of ridiculous. Car chase, awesome. And Okay, so she wasn't Spider-Man. She was Deadpool. Yeah, because he could hide in the ceiling too. He could totally do that, and he's completely unkillable. That's right. Okay, all right, I can get on board with this. Carol is Deadpool. <laughs> Carol, Deadpool, why not? Works for me. <laughs> all right, good. All right, next we have an email from some guy in Olds, Alberta. Yep. I'm sending this halfway through the episode out of sheer frustration with the writers. Don't get me wrong. I love the show and have watched every episode more than once, but tonight just defies reality more than the dead coming back to life. Holy crap, did you see that you can outrun hungry walkers by limping, falling, talking for minutes at a time, fighting each other, and still the walkers are almost nowhere near them. Ezekiel must have bigger horseshoe than Glenn had. Horseshoes. Must have bigger horseshoes. Are the horseshoes up his ass or on his feet? Hard to say. Either way, they're they're for luck. They're for luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, he continues to write, I will keep watching because that's what loyal fans do, but just extremely disappointed in making the undead a background noise rather than a true set threat to our characters. And, and you see, this is what I mean. I feel like they're having a harder and harder time always making the undead a threat. And... I guess that can be the point a little bit, because as we know, the living are more threatening. They're far more dangerous. Um, but the the undead zombies are always there in the background to make a bad situation worse, usually. Right. And make a situation where you might have survived unsurvivable. That being said, um, the whole thing about them moving along and the walkers never keeping up just bugged me a little bit more than it should have, I guess. Well, yeah, maybe it's just a matter of degrees. Like in real life, uh, the dead are not threatening in any way, shape or form. But in The Walking Dead, they're slightly more threatening. Right. The the difference is they're walking so they can approach you. So maybe the next show will be The Flying Dead and then watch out. (laughs) Watch out because they are quick. (laughs) Yeah. We just skip right over running. We're driving and go right to flying. <laughs> we got the falling dead. They were rolling down the hill. We got the rolling dead. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, so we've got the walking dead, the rolling dead. Yeah, so that they're not really a threat. But once we get into, you know, the running dead, I mean, we've seen them shamble pretty fast. And and we've seen running dead in other things, but ne- yeah. never flying. Never the flying dead. So once we get the flying dead, uh, then uh, we're all hooped. We're definitely all screwed at that point. Uh, swimming, that doesn't seem like it would be that yeah. threatening. Especially yeah, it if, seems more comedy than anything. Yeah, yeah, the floating dead. Uh, all right. Thank you, some guy in Alberta. Now, Mike from London writes, and this is a change of pace, so I'm glad Mike wrote in. Mike writes, okay, no messing. That was hands down the best episode of The Walking Dead in a long, long, long time. Carol was a total badass again. She's got to be the best character on the show. Kari Payton totally knocked it out of the park with his superb portrayals of Ezekiel going through hell physically and emotionally. Okay, the Rick Darrell car chase was 
uh, with its blatant Indiana Jones moments was ridiculous and laughable, but even that couldn't drag down the quality of the episode as a whole. I even felt truly saddened by the death of Shiva, despite previously hating this poorly animated CGI lump. What a great hour of television. The Walking Dead is back, baby! All right, Mike. <laughs> Can you do a uh, George Costanza impersonation with The Walking no, Dead is back, baby? I, I can't do any impressions. Jason only does I, an impression of himself. I barely even that. I can barely even do Admiral Akbar. <laughs> it's a trap. See? <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Good old Admiral Akbar. Well, anyways, it's good, Mike, to hear from someone who really, really liked the episode. Uh, because season eight has, after the premiere, I feel like has been uh, a source of pain for people. People aren't liking it as much as we hoped we would love season eight. And, uh, you know, I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear there are people out there that are really enjoying it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, you know, bound to be a few people that love it. Well, I know there is, and I'm just, I'm glad they're writing in, right? Because yeah. one of the nice things is even if you dislike an episode, sometimes other people's enthusiasm for it can, can change your mind a little bit. And Well, it's happened to us, it, right? Yeah. You dislike an episode, I like it, and uh, I persuade you, and other times you dislike an episode and I like it, and you persuade me that it's not that great. We just come right in <laughs> we just meet in the middle usually yeah. and that's that's okay that's all right it's good to have your eyes open to the the ups and the downs of of each one because i'm you know there's no such thing as a fully 100 percent terrible episode and a fully 100 percent perfect episode that's true it doesn't exist all right next we have uh, tommy in scotland did you see the lights in the hallway when carol was inside the savior's outpost one of them was even flickering as if to say, look at me, look at me. What in the piss and pants hell was powering that? A generator? If so, why have it running during the day? Surely uh, conserving power and using it for more important matters would make more sense. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, why have the power on during the day when there's sunlight anyways? Now, I know some buildings that are poorly designed or old might not have natural light coming in in all the best places which is why you have lights on all day but still i mean in the zombie apocalypse 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 <laughs> yeah the zombie apocalypse you'd think you want to you would want to preserve power as, as much as you could and turn those lights off yeah maybe it's all uh yeah well they needed the power to open the gate anyway right didn't she carol push a button and the gate opened yeah yeah you need the power on for that that's so right. maybe that was just an indicator that the power's on in this building for some reason. Yeah, but that's the question. For some reason. Why would it be on? You turn it on when you need it, and then you turn it off when you're done, or only after dark. Maybe this is where all the uh, the Savior's meat lockers are, and this is got, they got to power all the, uh, the preserving of their meat. So this is the Savior um, meat storage facility. Meat store, yeah. Whenever they need meat, they don't just go around and get fresh meat from uh the other people that are s supplying them on a regular basis they get all that fresh meat and then they store it in their meat locker outpost and then protect it with uh, heavy weapons i guess if you can you might as well do that otherwise you're salting all the meat for long-term storage and that's yeah. that just seems a little outdated you have to protect your bacon with extreme prejudice <laughs> yes you do keep the bacon under wraps yes all right protected Michael in Texas wrote in and Michael says, holy crap, did you see the amount of ammo used to try to kill Carol? 
I'm kind of starting to think The Walking Dead takes place inside a video game, and the player used an infinite ammo code. Even when it cuts to Ezekiel and the Savior, you can still hear shooting in the background. This season has used a ton of ammo, and we're only four episodes in. You know, I think I was thinking about this, and I didn't, uh, I don't even know when. I think maybe I was just, I was, I was falling asleep, that th- I would actually be more okay if for some reason they were shooting lasers instead of, <laughs> uh, instead of actually bullets. Because just... if they all had laser guns and then this was just happening like this, like you don't expect a, a, a stormtrooper to have to uh, reload his phaser or whatever the hell that thing is, his laser rifle. Blaster. Or have to, blaster, In thank you. Star Wars, they're and called blasters. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And you don't see uh, you don't see the blaster uh, cycling every time you take a shot. It's just you point the thing and the the, the blaster bolt comes flying out, and uh, that's it. So basically, if you just mentally substitute blasters or laser rifles with uh, with what they're using, I think that's okay. <laughs> I guess it does explain the the lack of or, or the uh, the lack of. Uh, conservation of ammo because yeah, they're just, just lasers. They got, they got, they're just got laser power packs and you don't reload those. They just shoot until, well, if you're, uh, if you're a stormtrooper, you shoot until you die, essentially. Here's a question. Did the Ghostbusters ever have to reload their proton packs? No, they're, uh, they're mini they're, nuclear they're reactors. nuclear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they, they don't have to be reloaded. No, you, they got, the. <laughs> They got the Mr. Fusion, the miniature Mr. Fusion on it. You just put in like extra beer and banana peels and stuff. No, now you're getting your movies confused. (laughs) No, I'm not confusing them. I'm mixing them. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. All right. So proton packs, uh, nuclear powered DeLoreans and laser blasters are okay. Real weapons with actual bullets. You're going to run out. Yeah. Unless you're in The Walking Dead, then, you know, all bets are off. Then all bets are off. Okay. Very good. What's going on now? Okay, we got a call from Julia. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Julia from Redlands, California. I have just one question for you. Um, Did the Zodiac Killer take King Ezekiel hostage? I do not get this guy's hair or his glasses or his whole aesthetic. It just really bothers me, and I'm glad he got, uh, you know, split in half by Jerry's axe. Um, Carol's badass. I, I can't even talk about Shiva yet, but overall, love the episode. Love you guys. Love the show. Peace. Wicked. Thanks, Julia. So another person who liked the episode and thought Gunther was maybe the Zodiac Killer. (laughs) Could be. They never caught that guy. No, that's right. He's still out there somewhere. Yeah. I didn't notice his watch. They figure the, uh, the, it was his watch with the Zodiac symbol on it. Uh, because it was a make of watch and had that symbol on it. So I didn't notice if uh, if uh, Gunther was wearing that watch. Neither did I actually, but his glasses and hair sort of fit the profile, I guess. From the 70s. It all depends. It was, uh, well, I guess he didn't have a car, but if he was uh, driving a Volkswagen Beetle, then for sure he was the Zodiac Killers. Because oddly enough, uh, serial killers in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, more often than not, they drove Volkswagen Beetles. That's what my mom drove in the 70s and early 80s. Oh, yeah? Yeah. She should still have it. That'd be awesome if she oh, still had it. I wish. You know, I remember the day the car was taken away in favor of my parents' new car at the time. <laughs> and I, I think I remember it because my mom cried when they took it away. It was her last of like two or three Beatles that she had. 
Nice. Yeah. It was blue. It was baby blue. Oh, I know. Gorgeous. I know. It would be amazing. It would be a beautiful thing to have right now. Um, do you want to know what car they traded it in for? A... I'm not sure you do, actually. <laughs> it's was so it a... disappointing. Okay, well, what is it? A Pacer or some kind? No, no, no. It was a Volkswagen Rabbit. Do you remember the Rabbit? You probably oh, there's don't. There's nothing wrong with the Rabbit. It was a very small hatchback car, Rabbit. And uh, it was... It was... Um, I think it was brown. <laughs> so, not even a nice color. <laughs> rabbits are brown. I have brown rabbits in my backyard. I had to collect a head of a brown rabbit uh, a year and a half ago. I know. I'm just saying. Like, you traded an awesome baby blue Volkswagen Beetle, like a 1971 or something like that, or a 72. Yeah, it's you, not trade like, that, you trade that shit in for a Mustang, like it's and not, that's okay. It's not like it was a 68 or a 69 or something, like a really nice one, but they're all kind of the same in like the 70s one, early 70s. Oh, man. Bummer. Bummer to get rid of that. That's too bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, ultimately, yeah, he could. it very well could be the, uh, the Zodiac Killer. Because, you know, I assume it's time travel that he came out of the 70s and didn't just, you know, maintain this uh, this look for 40 years. Uh, so I assume that it was, you know, it was Simon that reached back into time and pulled him into the future. And Simon being the awesome Simon that Simon is, uh, he grabbed the Zodiac Killer because Simon would know who that was. He would. And I feel like he'd think he could help us. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That guy, you know. He could write cryptographic messages and send them to uh, newspapers and kill people. There you so go. We need that guy. Well, Becky and Wyatt in St. Louis also wrote in and had this to say, holy shit. Did you hear Napoleon Dynamite say, avoid the obvious, obvious symmetry right before Jerry symmetrically chopped him in half. That was awesome. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, so now the guy's the Zodiac Killer and Napoleon Dynamite. Or Napoleon awesome. Dynamite. I guess he can't be both. Well, I don't know if he has any bow hunting skills. Or nunchuck <laughs> skills. We didn't see those, and now we, we never will. see those. Because he got split in half. Well, to be honest, we didn't see those in Napoleon Dynamite either. Good point. Good point. So we don't know what the deal is with Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, but it was pretty. And did you see the uh, when uh, when he split him in half? When Jerry split him in half, the uh, the blood and the guts kind of oozing through the crack, like there was like the, through the split. Yeah, and it was just like it was all very gross and super was, it, super gross. Yeah, super gross. I don't know what that would actually look like, but I never want to see it. I can tell you that. I agree. I don't want to see something like that. Jesus, that would scar yeah. you for life. Yes, it would. Think, think about right. it. Ezekiel's lying on the ground, looking up at this guy, and all of a yep. sudden he's split in half, like head to groin. I mean, well, I don't Ze think it would be that clean. I think you'd probably, it's, it's like splitting a water balloon, right? Uh, you split the water balloon and then all this friggin' shit just kind of flows out of it and splats all over the place. I don't know. I don't think it's like a water balloon at all. I think people split right in half and just fall apart in two halves. I don't know. That's very terminator the silver Terminator was not T one thousand. No, the T one thousand was Arnold. It was uh, you mean in T two? T two, yeah. The second second Terminator when you split him in half that and then flowed back together, that makes sense. But when you do it to a human being, and no, I think it's like a uh, like a sack of you know uh, oranges. No, a guy gets split <laughs> in half in Kingsman. Remember, and he just splits perfectly down the middle. Okay, so cite another movie to you know, 
set reality. Of course. Well, how am I going to, what, where do I, where <laughs> else do I learn anything from other than movies and TV? I don't know. The next time you get a, uh, uh, a chicken from the, uh, from the grocery store, like a raw chicken that you're going to, you know, cook a chicken dinner. Well, I don't usually uh, eat them raw. So, okay. No, don't eat them. You just, you bring it home, hang it up outside and then hack it in half and see what happens. I, but I'm, there's no guts in there. They're all cleaned, right? Shit. You can't do anything. Go buy a real chicken. So I need no, a live that's chicken. That's not good either. And I'm going to cut it in uh, half. I'm not going to do that, people. This, none of this turns out well. So yeah, okay, fine. It's good. Good work, Jerry. <laughs> Straight down in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next, we have uh, an email from Paul. Uh, Liverpool, but now lives in Cambridge, England. Paul writes, hello, Chris and Jason, or Jason and Chris. Hmm. Four episodes in. And the first casualty is Shiva the tiger. It was so predictable, but it has to be the saddest death I have witnessed on The Walking Dead to date. People hate seeing animals get killed, man. They do. You know, like you were saying, you don't even have to kill them. You just kick a dog or like, you know, knock over a sleeping cow and people are really upset. Yeah. So we didn't even get any, uh, you know, it was zombies that killed Shiva. Can you imagine the hatred that would flow out if uh, Negan beat Shiva to death with Friggin' uh, the bat. Well, a few Lucille. zombies can kill Shiva, but if Negan got anywhere near her, that he'd be he'd be eaten in half for sure. Didn't he get near her at the season finale of the last episode? Uh, well, yeah, but she decided to attack the guy behind him. Yeah, that was dumb of her, wasn't it? Mm, I guess someone pointed the laser pointer at the wrong guy. Yeah, that was dumb of them too. Yeah, it was. Uh, speaking of Shiva. Nobody seems to want to kill Negan. Everybody wants Negan to be dead, but nobody actually wants to kill him. <laughs> yeah. This is, you're not the first person to notice this and we've talked about it, of course, but you're right. They yeah. want him to be dead. But nobody wants to actually kill him, including the tiger. And now the tiger won't get another sh- another shot. Well, unless it comes back as a zombie. I don't think that's a thing. No zombie animals, that. remember. Uh, but our, our next bunch of emails are about Shiva. Mary in Missouri writes, really? They had to kill Shiva? I understand that Shiva probably died in the comic, but couldn't they have made it more realistic? There were like 15 walkers around the tiger. They could have gone over and helped. Give the poor CGI tiger a fighting chance. Nope, he just sits there and screams. I was hoping the whole time that Ezekiel's screams would attract some walkers from behind them. Oh, yeah. So if you're not going to help your tiger, you might as well get eaten by... Stealth zombies that sneak up behind you. Well, they talked about running out of ammo anyway, right? Uh, they did. They did. As they were crossing the train tracks, Carol said she's almost out. So they didn't really have yeah. any left. So that's why they didn't shoot the zombies and save Shiva. Yeah, that's true. They would have had to actually approach with knives. And I'm not sure that would have been a very safe situation because not only do you have undead who might start attacking you, but you have a tiger who's probably panicking and might accidentally, yep. you know, swipe at you. Yeah, because it's basically trying to kill any human-shaped object around it. So what we need is uh, Morgan, Jesus, uh, Michonne, and, well, just the three of them going in and... <laughs> no, none, none of whom are human-shaped, after all. <laughs> well, they are human-shaped, but they'd go in and, like, clean up the whole situation, and then she would be like, whoa, that was scary, because she would learn how to talk. Of course. And... Yeah, I just we need some uh, some awesome melee people going in there to uh, to care, take care of things. But we didn't have any. We had Carol, who's you know obviously good with a gun, mm-hmm. and uh, she uses a knife every now and again. Right. But uh, yeah, we didn't have any really 
hand to hand. Well, we had we had Jerry, who's good with his with his axe, but he recently broke. It was, it was broken. And we have Ezekiel, who can handle himself, but he has a broken ankle or whatever's wrong with his leg. A bullet he got shot. Leg. Yeah. So nobody really there qualified to help at the time. Yeah, that's too bad. Too bad for Shiva, and it was sad. I was very sad to uh, to see her go. Yep, definitely. All right, next we have an email from Neil on the internet. Here's my two cents on the loss of Shiva. Maybe because she was a domesticated tiger, her natural instincts in the wild aren't as strong as a tiger born and living in the wild. While her loss was kind of lame, I think it was how a bunch of toxic walkers would take her out. Right. So he's saying that she she was raised in captivity, so she doesn't have the same survival instinct. She's never faced this kind of adversity, I guess, before, and she didn't know what to do. Whereas if she had been grown in, or if she'd grown up as a wild tiger, she would have had to fight and defend herself, you know, her whole life. Well, you know, a tiger being like an alpha predator, uh, probably doesn't deal well with, uh, being around other animals that aren't afraid of her. Like, cause she yeah. pretty much every room she goes into, everybody's fucking terrified. I would be. Well, so would I. I would poop my pants, turn and run because, <laughs> you know, you got to be light. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I'd take off my pants because if you poop your pants, you're just carrying it with you, really. <laughs> I'd, <laughs> I'd be like the, uh, you know, when the, uh, uh, the Death Star, not the Death Star, but uh, the, what do you call those things, those ships in Star Wars that dumped uh, their trash? Star Destroyers. Star Destroyer. I can't do anything, talk anything Star Wars tonight. Well, earlier uh, you when, called them phasers. I'm like, dude, that is not I right know. at all. It, it's, I tell you, my brain is not working. All right. Uh, so we should stay on topic, but not right now. So when we have a Star Destroyer dumping its garbage before it takes off, that's what I would do if I was in a room with a tiger or a minotaur, I've got the same plans for a minotaur. If I'm ever in the same room as a minotaur, that's exactly what I'm planning on doing. Well, I don't have a tiger, but next time I come over, I'm bringing my minotaur and we'll see what <laughs> don't. happens. Don't. I'm afraid of them. <laughs> they frighten me. <laughs> they do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Matt from Damp and Mild Wales writes, So, some guy. I cried when King Kong got shot off the Empire State Building. Spoiler alert. I cry every time I see E.T. lying on the riverbank like an uncooked pasty, spoiler alert, which I think is a uh, a pastry. I had to look that up. It is. And uh, you have to, you said it right. It's not a pasty. I know. pasties are those uh, things you put on uh, nipples with tassels. Mm-hmm. Those are pasties. This yeah, a pasty yeah. is food. Okay. Uh, like uh, E.T. lying on the riverbank <laughs> like an uncooked pasty. <laughs> Very good. Excellent work. And I even get upset when I accidentally stand on a snail. Me too. If you've ever stepped on a snail, they crunch and it's really horrific. I don't think I've ever stepped on a snail. I have no memory of doing that. Well, sometimes they come out around me in the rain and if they're on the sidewalk and you're just walking along and you're not paying attention, you step on them. Yuck. Anyways, uh, Matt goes on. However, uh, I did not cry when Shiva got eaten. This is not because I'm a heartless ogre or that I hate tigers. I'm not and I don't. I just felt it was inevitable, and the fact that we only saw her a handful of times meant that I hadn't grown any kind of attachment to her. I do realize it was sad, but I think part of me was also somewhat irked by the big cat's impeccable timing. I'd spend two-thirds of an episode wondering where she was, and just when things were getting sticky for the bad guys, bam! Here she is to save the day, leaping to the king's defense, just in the nick of time. 
That's not the first time she's been there in the nick of time. No, that's what Matt's saying, that all we've ever seen of Shiva is she jumps yeah. out of nowhere to save the day, you know, right at the right time, uh, which is kind of silly, I agree, but boy, if they had to have Shiva in every scene with Ezekiel, we'd probably never see Ezekiel, frankly. Yeah. You know, they'd be too worried about animating the tiger into every scene. Uh, or, you know, replacing the guy in the ball mocap suit with an actual CGI tiger. So I'm sort of glad that they left her out of the show for the most part, because I think Ezekiel is great on screen. Uh, but I do see what Matt's saying. Like, they they could have put her in situations that varied a little bit more than the just tiger saves the day kind of scenario. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, now she's uh, out of the way and that's not going to happen anymore. No. Now he's going to have to go find an elephant or something even more ridiculous and uh, he'll have his his pet elephant. Maybe they can get one, get one of those big uh, olifants from the Lord of the Rings. Sure. Why not? Massive things and put a village on top of it. Is that Walks, what? You know, just walk around. Fuck it. You know? Yeah, the Zombie's yeah. not going to take out one of those things. We don't need the kingdom. We don't need Alexandria. We're just going to ride around on our giant elephant. Olifant. Olifant. Sorry. Yeah. Elephant, smaller. Olifant, huge. Sure. Well, you know, blasters <laughs> and phasers, you're you're mixing up, but don't get elephants and olifants wrong. Oh, you don't fuck with Lord of the Rings. No, I guess not. Uh, okay, next we have Miles in San Francisco. Not Shiva, no! Where's that CGI deer when you need it? How many more episodes do you guys think you guys think the king will survive? Uh, his Is his story arc almost complete? Well, I've got um, two options here. Yeah. I think either he is on his way out or he will be hanging around forever. I feel like Shiva, you know, was his spirit guide animal. And now that Shiva's dead, he'll, King Ezekiel will either go soon as well, like you lose your spirit animal and you're going to die soon, or he'll survive until the end and suffer the whole time all alone without his animal by his side. So could go either way for me. I'm not sure. Nope. Sorry. Uh, if he was going to die, he would have died this episode. So you, you think he had his moment and now they're going to keep him around because they chose not to kill him off. Yes. So he's going to be around forever. Okay. Even though his animal's dead. Like that's, that animal was his, you know, that, important. That gives, us, that gives us story. That gives us motivation. It might even give us plot. That's, uh, that's, that's good high drama right there. Okay. I can see what you're saying. So consensus might be that uh, King Ezekiel's around for a long time. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, I we'll... think they'll kill off Morgan before they kill off Ezekiel. Do you? Yeah. Lenny James, he's got other stuff to do. Oh God, you're probably right. You're probably right. He's probably <laughs> sitting at home right now thinking, you know, I've got other stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. I've got, uh, you know, four TV shows and seven movies I got to be in. Uh, I don't know. This Walking Dead thing was fun for a while, but I'm a little too crazy. He, yeah. He was in the new Blade Runner movie, eh? There's a new Blade Runner movie? What do you mean? Like a month ago, Blade Runner 2049 came out with... Harrison oh, Ford. Oh, Blade Runner. Yeah, okay. I thought, sorry, my brain was thinking Blade. No, different altogether. <laughs> Which Norman Reedus was in, right? Uh, Blade 3? Yeah, he was in one of the Blade movies. That's true. Yeah. Okay, so this is this is the way my brain is working. Blade Runner, yes. I didn't know he was in that. Okay, well, Lenny James is in the new Blade Runner movie. I haven't seen it, but I'm curious to see it. Heard some pretty good things. Yeah, me too. 
Uh, all right. So we'll have to check that out someday. <laughs> Next up is a call from Grady. Hey, Chris and Jason, this is Grady of This Mormon Life. And I just want to let you guys know I've been thinking a lot about that dude, yes I do line. I really liked it. And I think the idea, though, that we're missing is that he's not saying that he needs a king. What he's saying is that he needs to believe in a king. You know, we saw this when when um, Rick and the gang and everyone first showed up in the kingdom – and they, you know, saw Ezekiel for the first time and thought he was ridic- ridiculous. And I'm sure that everyone else who meets him probably thought the same thing. But as they saw the dire need that they were in to believe in something, then they said, you know what? I need someone like this in my life. I need to believe that he is a king with majesty and this will get me by. Um, you know, sometimes we call that a suspension of disbelief. You know, we, you know, we see it when it comes to Santa Claus. My family, it was, if you don't believe, you don't receive. And so guess what? All of us kids believed in Santa because we knew that's how we got what we wanted during Christmas time. You know, we also see it in the negative sense with this cult of personality where people put up these leaders to be more than they actually are because they need a leader who is more than he actually is. And, you know, it goes back to what Ezekiel is. Ezekiel, you know, he's pretending because the people need uh, a leader who's strong, who he pretends to be a leader who's strong, but more importantly, people just need to believe that they have a leader who's strong. Even though they know that they might not, they need to believe that they do. So hopefully that helps, guys. Uh, love the podcast, love what you do, and uh, I'll keep listening. Great. Thanks, Grady. And he's absolutely right. I, I think so too. That's what that's what uh, Jerry was saying, you know, when he, he said, dude, yes, I do, about calling him your majesty. And even if, even Ezekiel knows that, all right? That's essentially what he told Carol. He's like, I'm going to be this character because the people need this, um, or they, they at least need the idea of me. And that's what got stripped away in this episode a little bit from Ezekiel. And I hope he can get it back because he's more important as the king than he is as just some guy. Um, so, so like, Really, really good stuff. It's the same with Batman, right? The idea of Batman is more important than Batman himself. Uh, if you say so. I think <laughs> Batman's pretty important. Yeah, but people need a hero. And, uh, you know, even King Ezekiel said that. Remember, he said, when asked to be a hero, be a hero. Yeah. And uh, fake it till you make it. He's got all the phrases, you see? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I think, uh, I think you're right, and I think Grady's right. I think Grady hit the nail right between the eyes. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh awesome so who's it now you or me that's <laughs> me uh, we have steven in canberra australia so rick jumps from his jeep into the truck driven by the savior wearing a beige top uh rick is uh rick's is dark gray so driver of the of the humvee has a beige top rick has a dark gray top then uh, Stephen writes, uh, the savior falls out of the truck onto the road. It's clearly the savior thrown from the truck, leaving Rick to be the one going through the guardrail. Yet when Daryl turns up, Rick crawls out of the shrubs and they walk down to the truck to see if the savior wearing beige survived the crash. Yeah. You know what? I can't believe I didn't pick up on this before because it is bizarre what happens in this scene. The savior is definitely kicked out the driver's side of that truck. You see him fall out of the truck. Then we get a reverse shot where the car, the, the Humvee's coming at the camera. We see him lying on the side of the road. Truck crashes off, rolls over into the ditch. Rick 
climbs up. Daryl says, hey, you look like shit. And Rick says, well, let's go see if he's still alive. And they walk towards the truck. Yeah. I don't understand. uh, That falls apart. Uh, Unless, unless the they're referring to the guy who was in the back operating the gun, even though he was shot. Maybe the shot didn't kill him and they're walking down to see if he's still alive. I assumed that the guy with the penis 50 cal right. uh, got shot by Daryl in the penis. <laughs> so he might be alive, but really unhappy. Yeah. Well, you know, he might be alive, but not want to be. Right. Because that would suck. Uh, no, they're going down to look for the driver of the vehicle that obviously got thrown from the vehicle. Uh, maybe the guy that got thrown from the vehicle is a shape changer and is pretending to be Rick. And Daryl is about Ooh, to get attacked. That that would be something crazy. Uh, but no, it, it doesn't make sense. I feel like this is an editing mistake. It's a continuity failure. Yeah, I feel like it is because he clearly fell out of the truck. You see him on the road. And then it's like the one take of Daryl and Rick standing there on the side that maybe was usable is the one where he says, let's go down and see if he's, if he's alive. And they're like, well, fuck it. It's the only thing that's usable. We have to put it in. <laughs> so I don't notice I don't he's gonna notice I mean with all this shit uh, else that's going on with the magic guns and the no cycling and the uh, yeah the good guys being able to shoot bad guys from very far away but bad guys with automatic you know heavy weapons uh, can't seem to shoot through headlights or a windshield no they did they did shoot every kingdom member down from that building though so it's not like they haven't hit anybody but it's weird. I mean, if there's some if there's some obvious thing here that we're missing and, you know, that Stephen in Australia is missing, uh, someone let us know because it really, really doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Yeah, something smells. Something smells a little bit funny. Okay, thanks, Stephen, for that. Next up is Keith in Wisconsin, and Keith writes, Hi, guys. The 50 caliber round ma- uh, makes a great sniper rifle round. There are several companies making 50 cal sniper rifles. The world record distance for a confirmed kill is by a Canadian Special Forces soldier using a, wait for it, 50 caliber sniper rifle. Just thought you should know. Nice. Oh yeah, it's not like 50 cal sniper rifles can, uh, the bullets go really, really far. They do. And I actually knew that a Canadian soldier held that record. When I was in New York last year, no, it was earlier this year. It was a few, it was months ago at this point. Um, I shared a cab to the airport with a guy who was um, maybe formerly in the military in the United States. And we started chatting and he found out I was Canadian. And the first thing he said is, hey, Canadians have made the news recently. A Canadian Special Forces soldier just set the world record for the longest confirmed kill uh, with a sniper rifle. And I was it like, was a long distance too. It was a couple of kilometers, wasn't it? It was something ridiculous like that. I mean, that's that's a incredibly long shot that yeah, I find that, hard to believe. That's the kind of thing where you have to uh, account for the Coriolis effect. Like the Earth is going to move between now and when the bullet gets there, so you have to account for that. Good lord, that must be <laughs> that 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 is some skill right there. I, I gotta yeah, think. Pretty crazy. I wonder if the barrel like was that. cold. Because shooting uh, accurately at that distance in a cold barrel is very difficult. Yeah, I if you say so. Well, you got to fire a couple of rounds, warm up the barrel. It's like when you start a, start a car in the winter. You don't just start the car and go because the engine's not warm. It's going to be weird. 
You gotta warm it up. Well, that's not what the manual for my car says, but... Well, your manual's crazy. I guess so, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Anyways, uh, we Keith writes in because I think we were talking about if the 50 cal... Well, you were probably talking about if the 50 cal is any good against human beings, and I guess it is in some cases, and not so good against Jeeps. Oh, right. Yeah, it was the Geneva Convention that you're not supposed to use a 50 cal uh, against uh, personnel. Maybe that was it. Unless you're but two kilometers away and going for uh, the record. Yeah, maybe there's... I, 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 you know, to be honest, that information I got was from a guy I was in a band with. Well, named Sugar oh. Spun Sister. Remember I mentioned that band? Yes, I do. Uh, he was he was he was the front man of that band, and uh, he used to say stuff like that. And uh, you know, frankly, I shouldn't have said it on the air because he's unreliable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're just spreading potential misinformation. Yeah. All right. Potential. I mean, it could be true. It's it's what you call bullshit. It's not a lie. It's bullshit. A lie is when you knowingly tell something that is false. Bullshit is when you say something that could be true, but may not be. <laughs> and you don't know right? or care. I don't know. It could be true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> so sounds, that's the difference between a lie and bullshit. It sounds true. So, yeah. So it could be. I don't but it's know. not a, you know, it's the intent is not to deceive. The intent is just to give information that very well could be true. To confuse, maybe. <laughs> well, not necessarily. That seems nefarious. <laughs> All right. Next, we have an email from Dave in Markham. Goof Ezekiel versus Goof Negan. For me, the last scene in the first episode with Ezekiel, the one with Carol in the garden, saved this whole character for me. It shows that he isn't a goof, but merely acting as one for, for a reason. With Negan, we have no idea why he acts the way he does other than he is a goof. Despite the many absurdities in this week's episode, which you pointed out, this was my favorite episode of the season so far. It actually advanced Ezekiel's character. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with this totally and 100% and entirely to be redundant. So that's the thing. You know, we know why Ezekiel does what he does. Negan, I mean... You, we don't really, although I suppose you could argue that he just does it because he's a sociopath or he does it because he likes it the way it makes him feel. Uh, and he, and, and in a way he's playing a character too. We've seen him drop, drop character a little bit. I think in that scene with Carl, when Carl was at the sanctuary and, uh, he made him take off his eye patch and stuff like that. I think mm -hmm. Ezekiel peeled back, not Ezekiel, Negan, I think Negan peeled back the, the character a little bit there, but for the most part. He's always playing Goofy Negan and it's goofy to the point where I no longer or never really did find it threatening, uh, even though the characters, and we're supposed to believe that the characters in the show find it threatening. With Ezekiel, we know exactly what's going on and it works. Yeah. And with, uh, with Jadis, we don't know either. It's true. With Jadis, we don't really know either. And that's part of the reason it doesn't work as well, but she's so unique that I find I don't focus on the weirdness as much. I do. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> so, But uh, yeah, Dave's absolutely right. With uh, uh, every scene with uh, Ezekiel in this episode was good, and I liked it. I just thought that they should drop the car chase and dial back the Carol stuff, mm -hmm. and everything would have been, uh, been perfect. Just make the whole thing about uh, Ezekiel's story. Yeah. It would have been good. It could have been great. 
Uh, okay, we got a Paul. Uh, we got a Paul here from. We call. got a Paul calling from call. <laughs> a call from Paul, and uh, he has something to do say about something in episode three. Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris and Jason, this is Paul calling from Orlando, Florida. Um, hey, I was just listening to the podcast dealing with episode three when you were talking about Aaron and Eric, um, <clears throat> and. Aaron leaving Eric up against the tree and whether it was part of his character and all that. Uh, personally, I kind of disagree with what you guys were saying. I know this is a little bit late and I apologize, but uh, it kind of makes sense to me because of the fact that in one of the first episodes, Aaron was the one who stopped Rick from totally going after Negan saying, Hey, this isn't about you. Um, and I think his struggle was the fact that yes, he wanted to stay with Eric and it was the love of his life and all that fun stuff. Uh, but at the same time, he had to come to grips with the fact that it wasn't about him and it wasn't about Eric. Um, it was about the group and about their survival and all that. So, you know, him kind of going against that would give Rick the perfect opportunity to turn around and be like, Hey, douchebag, remember how you kept me from killing Negan? Um, yeah. How about that? Um, I think that's pretty much my thoughts on it. I think it was kind of within his character based on the circumstances and kind of what was going on around him and all that. So I hope that made sense. Um, thanks guys. Keep the good work. Bye. Thanks Paul. Uh, that's, you know, Jason, I think this is kind of what I was getting at when I was talking about why Aaron might leave Eric by that tree. And, and when you do think back to when Rick was standing there a little bit mesmerized, trying to shoot Negan, Aaron comes up and says, look, man, we did what we meant to do here. This is not about you. This is about the group. So let it go. We'll have another shot at this. Maybe Aaron had the same thing in mind when he left Eric. He's saying, look, I know I don't want to leave Eric, but we're trying to achieve something here. And if I don't go back and fight, I'm letting down the whole group and I have to do it. Yeah, I can see that. But... <sighs> Yeah, I think I'm just going to have to go ahead and disagree. I know. There's certain I mean, I people... Would, you... I would, uh, you know, the mission comes first. And I believe that philosophy, uh, you know, when you need to accomplish something as a group, the mission comes first. Everything else uh, takes uh, it takes a back seat. But for me, that is true up to a point. Sure. I know. And and I I agree with that too, to be honest. I mean, you have to... You have to take every scenario individually. I think it depends who that person is that you're thinking about leaving up against the tree. And just because yeah. you wouldn't leave your wife, Aaron might yeah. still leave Eric. Yeah, that's that's true. And and did. <laughs> you know, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you could make an argument that he did leave him. So it's therefore within his character. Well, there's no argument of whether he left or not, but <laughs> is it within his character? Uh, you know, I think Dave is saying, uh, not Dave, Paul is saying that we've seen before evidence that this might be the way Aaron reacts to situations. So it's not out of the question that he would, he would leave him there hoping to come back and save him later. Right. So, okay. Yeah, there you go. I can see that there is another point of view. Perfect. That's all we ask. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Acknowledge other people's point of view. Yeah. All right. Lastly, we have a call from Joe. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Joe from Wisconsin. This one, this is uh, this kind of out there. So bear with me. I hope this is not true. 
with all the talk of spies, Gregory said that Negan already knew everything he had to say. Uh, people are going back to Enid's a spy. I don't think so. I think it's, I think we need to just drop it, move on. It's too long of a game for that. Uh, number two, they're going back to Dwight. Well, is Dwight with us? Is he against us? I think he's given far too much good information and sacrificed far too many saviors for him to be uh, a, a double agent like that. Like he, He's not going to give up all that information just to trick them on these two guns. You know, the, the Negan and Dwight could have done way more damage using Dwight's position. Could it be Jesus, perhaps? Now think about it. He was the one at the satellite station that said, we got to stop. We, they're surrendering. Let's take these prisoners. Um, I felt the fight scene with the pee pants guy was kind of kind of weak. How dude was just, whatever. I didn't think that was a great fight scene. So maybe that was staged. He's taking all these prisoners. When the savior started to retreat in the compound, Jesus says, Hey, I know where they're going. Let's go around back. They get to the back. He says, hold up your weapons. Don't fire. They're going to surrender. And Tara says, well, how do you know? And Jesus says, oh, I just know they're going to surrender. And they do, and they tie them up, and they take them all. And then the rest of the episode, Jesus is fighting for them, protecting them, getting them into uh, the hilltop. He has the plan for the train cars already. So, I don't know. Perhaps he's the one that's the double agent here. I hope not, but who knows? Maybe Jesus is a Judas. All right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I love the show. See ya. All right. Thank you, Joe, for that. I, I Part of me feels like all of that was just so Joe could make that joke at the end. <laughs> well, that, uh, that, that was a clincher for me. It was. Jesus is a Judas? Yeah, exactly. Perfect. However... That might, that might get me off of Enid's a spy. Okay. Well, if Enid's... Because it's so awesome. If Enid's not a spy anymore, Joe does present some dubious evidence that Jesus could be a double agent. Uh, I don't think there's a chance in hell, but, you know, he was the one who wanted to stop all the killing. He was the one who had the idea of where to put the people at the hilltop. Um, and, uh, you, know, you know, the fight scene with the with the... The guy who peed his pants, you know, not very convincing. So there's some evidence there of potentially this being the case, even though I don't think it for a second. <laughs> I find it compelling. Do you? I find it interesting. Maybe not to the <laughs> level of compelling, but I find it interesting. I want to keep my eyes open. Right. Keep your eye on that Jesus guy, because yep. you never know what his true intentions could be. Yeah. And Jesus, he's... Jesus is a Judas... Judas uh, Really would pull me off of Enid's spy. Okay. Well, Not much could do that, but I think that uh, it makes a compelling point. Yeah. Well, I don't know. All right. Jesus could be a Judas. We will have to find out. I think he's smart enough to pull it off. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it, it would be another super long con if that's the case, because as far as we know, he's been hanging around happily at the hilltop for a long time now. But it's true. But he's also a loner. He goes out on his own. He was on his own before he got to the hilltop, so he's got a questionable past, at least with who he surrounds himself with, so it's true. never know. Thank you, Joe, for sending that in. That is wonderful, and that is the last call or email we have for the night, and uh, it's going to wrap up our podcast here, so 
Um, if you want to get in touch with us, everyone, you can visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com. And the site's all new. It's been up for a few weeks now. It's going really well. I'm still working on it a little bit here and there. I've uh, On the subscribe page, for example, I'm adding more ways for you to listen to us, um, not just by going to iTunes or Google Play Music. You know, there's also like Podbean on there and uh, direct link to the RSS feed and a couple of other services like podcast aggregation services that we're on. So check that out. And of course, all our episodes all the way back to the beginning are there. And one thing I should mention, I think I may have said this already, but I've had a few people email in or send Facebook messages in about this. I had to limit the number of episodes in our feed because we hit a maximum size. And, you know, if I didn't limit it, the feed didn't work. So I couldn't just let it go. Um, So right now it's set to the last 200 episodes out of 348 when you're listening to this. Um, I'll try to make it a little bit bigger, but at a certain point, the older ones will just no longer be in the feed, but you can always find them at the website. So visit the site if you need the older stuff. Everything's playable or downloadable. You can do whatever you want. That's awesome. Very awesome. Um, And so that's the website. You can click on send voicemail to send us a message there if you'd like. And you can link through to our Twitter or Facebook pages at twitter.com slash talking dead or facebook.com slash the talking dead. Too bad those are different, but it is what it is. And you can send email, of course, to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. So don't forget about our season eight, record your favorite scene contest and our November charity push. Use our Amazon links, which you can also find at the site and every little bit of money we make on Amazon for the month of November will go to the Canadian Cancer Society. So that's a really great cause. Um, and that's enough of that. I think I don't need to push anything else. we got so many things to to push all the time. I don't think so. Anything you want to plug while we're here? I, I don't go, go see your local Santa Claus. Oh, there you go. That's, no a, that's a good idea. <laughs> See your local Santa Claus. <laughs> Sit on his knee, tell him what you want for Christmas. Absolutely. You uh, gotta believe to receive. That's what I learned today. Yeah, that's right. Uh, neither of my kids do anymore, so they're getting nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sticks. Sticks and little pieces of coal. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And a potato, maybe. <laughs> nice enjoy your christmas kids <laughs> all right so that's all the ways to contact us we'll be back next week when we're talking about season eight episode five um i'd say what it was called if uh, if i knew because we want you to um do a title read for us <laughs> do you do your own research we want you to do your own research <laughs> it's called the big scary you is it really? Yeah, the big scary U. And that's not the word U, Y-O-U. It's the letter U, the big scary U. That's weird. So who knows what that refers to, but I believe it's going to be a Negan episode. We're going to see him again and probably him and uh, Father Gabe stuck in that trailer together. Oh my God. If he says shit in pants one more time, I'm going to freak out. You turn it off? You're just going to stop it and <laughs> I, move on? I don't know about that. I might, you know, freak out while I'm watching it, but... I don't think I'll stop. All right. That's good. We don't want you to stop, Jason. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, Stick around for a really brief after hours. I've got something else I want to mention. But uh, other than that, until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. All right. I feel like my voice is uh, going for some reason, so I hope I'm not getting sick. But what I wanted to mention here 
really quick after the show is that I listened to John Bernthal on the Nerdist podcast. That, of course, yeah. is Chris Hardwick's podcast that he's been doing forever. And he had John Bernthal on recently. And cool. I just thought I'd throw out a recommendation for everybody that likes The Walking Dead to go download that episode and listen to it because John Bernthal hasn't been on the show in a while, but he still comes to a lot of the conventions. He's still part of the Walking Dead family, as they say. And his interview on that podcast, I thought was really, really great. Not, cool. not because Chris Hardwick is especially good. I mean, he's not terrible, but you know, he just gets, sits down there and, and chats with the people. But Bernthal, I found him really fascinating to listen to. He talks about his early life. He talks about what it was like working on The Walking Dead and what that meant to him at the time. He talks about what he learned from the other people like Andy Lincoln and Sarah Wayne Callies, he specifically calls out. And um, he just sounds like a guy who has really got his shit figured out. Really? Yeah, he does. And, um, I, you know, I don't know why, but I feel like I never would have had that impression of him had I not heard him speak on this podcast. He's enthusiastic about things. He speaks pretty eloquently. He has, I think, interesting things to say. I feel like his story coming up, growing up, and where he studied acting is interesting, for example. Um, and then of course he talks about the Punisher as well, playing the Punisher and how he got that role and, um, some of the, uh, work he did in a way preparing for it, just sort of, you know, working with another actor who I won't mention, but you'll, you'll know this person, I think, and getting ready for, to do the Punisher. And because I love him as the Punisher, I think it was interesting to hear. So all I'm saying is if you're a Walking Dead fan, which you probably are, and <laughs> you're a Shane fan, which who knows, but. John Bernthal, I can't help but be a John Bernthal fan. Well, there you go. So I'm going to go listen to that. It's good. Thanks. Yeah, go just check it out. It's it's a recent episode of the Nerdist podcast with Chris Hardwick, John Bernthal, and uh, it's worth it, I think. It's not that long, maybe an hour, um, and he's a fascinating guy. So check it out. 